0: Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me, the podcast for parents of young children. And we want to share your stories and all those crazy, contradictory feelings that come with being a parent. We believe in you. You got this, even on the craziest of days. And you are most definitely not alone. Hey, listeners, the host of this podcast wants you to celebrate the messiness of life with kids. That means we don't need an expert to explain our kids to us. We just need to sit back so we can truly see, hear, and love our kids. My family has been lucky enough to attend B'nai Torah, where Karen's enthusiasm and joy for all aspects of parenting has been a breath of fresh air and always gives us hope that we can do it. Karen Dearwester believes that when we see, hear, and love the messy moments of life with kids, we're able to give our children everything they need. Karen has been a teacher, author, and a leader in early childhood education for decades. And there is nothing, nothing that doesn't make sense if we take time to connect with each child exactly where they are. And right where we are with all of our messiness, too. Here's today's podcast. Today's podcast is divorced moms getting the support you need. I'm so excited to be doing this podcast and it started with a Facebook post from Tara Kebre from Boca Raton Counseling Center about how, how to get awareness for the struggles of moms who are going through divorce and then to have a support group for divorced moms. So she's going to tell us more about that later. And we also have Stacy Blass Divorce and family attorney from Cohen Blast Law, because, as they've just said before we turned on the mic, knowledge is power, and we want everyone to know how to take care of themselves through a big, big, big life change. So I'm going to open with Tara. Welcome, welcome back. You're what you. I have two of my favorite podcast guests here. Um, talk to me about what the what the need is that you wanted to be available for and.
1: Thanks, Karen. I'm so happy to be here always to see you. And I am sitting next to Stacy, who I just adore her presence. And anybody would just be lucky for Stacy to be in their corner during this process or any time in life. So I'm happy you're here, Stacey. Um, I started just calling sort of more attention to the support that women need during divorce because a lot of people who come on my couch are going through sort of similar issues much sort of that are tied to the uh, women's empowerment or lack thereof due to fear of divorce and what I wanted to do was just present these clients with the opportunity to have knowledge of what this process even looks like so a little bit about that is that, you know, obviously I refer to, you know, attorneys and financial advisors who can just tell these women, you know, this is what is, and this is what you don't know, and this is what you should know, which should only help sort of
0: ease the process, right? So this okay, idea of knowledge is power. Um, I, I, let me put you on the spot-ish, but I know it's not. And it is that emotional vulnerability. The the word I threw out before we turned on the mic is that shame, that when everybody else is looking like they have perfect families, happy marriages, wonderful coupleness out there in the world, and then all of a sudden you realize, hmm, I'm not happy. This isn't working. This might not be the healthy place for me. It's really You know, you talk about empowerment, but when you're feeling, explain the the emotional how reality you shift
1: from terrible shame and guilt to empowerment which is so
0: vast. And and how normal it is to feel the quicksand when 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 you're in that moment of uncertainty or life isn't what I thought it was gonna be.
1: Yeah, I think especially for not only women but mothers who are, you know, our goal, you know, personally is to keep our family unit together. And when we try and to know, you know, avail it's not working. There is a tremendous amount of, you know, I I failed at something and um, it's, you know, a lot of reason why people stay, you know, stuck, call it, in, you know, unhealthy relationships maybe for children and and and, and I work really hard at trying to keep the family together for my own personal biases, professional, but um it's very hard in any situation to work through the guilt and shame, but it is part of sort of have to, where we have to start. Right. That emotional holding space is very important, paired with the knowledge of sort of the logistics, um,
0: so that people could make you know good sort of wholehearted decisions. So let's segue into to Stacy, which is when someone's feeling. Like, I don't know if I should be even asking these questions that undermine everything I dreamt for my life. Mm-hmm. And and now that you're saying, come and get the information you need about your legal rights, about this process of what your options are. Well, uh, and because we talk about knowledge is power. And
2: as women and as moms, it's even more important for us than for anybody else because we deal with the emotional balance of that too and we deal with it very differently than men would. I mean people come to me for my legal advice but I mean it's overwhelming how many people come scared that they're going to lose all their friends um especially when you're of a certain socioeconomic group that they're going to lose all their money um and there's this concern that I'm not just going to be divorced from my husband, and this idea that I'm breaking up my family, I'm doing something terrible. But I'm also going to lose all my friends and my status, like in this universe. Um, it, you know, the the first thing is people think, and and it's somewhat true that people think divorce is contagious, and the fear of that is very real, um, especially in. Um, higher socioeconomic groups because there's the financial fear. So they... I have this financial fear, then someone goes through it, right? And they come out okay financially. And then it's like all those other scared women are coming out of the woodwork. And thinking they Um, could do it too. And thinking they could do it too. So it's sort of nice for the empowerment, but it definitely perpetuates that isolation. That isolation of the divorcing family family and that the idea that divorce is contagious. Mm. I mean, I've seen it socially in my own life being a divorce lawyer you know I'll walk around school and if I've talked too long to someone their spouse is wondering why they've lingered to talk to me I mean it's it's Like, it's hysterical to us, right? Because we all know me. But, like, to people, that's a real thing. And so the social stigmas of it are real. But I tell people, you can't stay married because you're scared of divorce. So the first thing that I tell everyone who comes to me, particularly women, is that you need to understand what this looks like. And for that, you need two people. You need me. ...to tell you legally what this looks like. What does it look like while you're in the process of divorce? And what does life look for you at the end of the divorce going forward... And then you need a therapist. Okay, so um, I, And
0: your kids probably need a therapist, too. I know and I And I tell everyone that. So, so for, the, for the generic overview out there, for that person that's listening, what does divorce look like at the beginning and after? So, so the two things, for things for that, that we talk about, yeah. the
2: two things that we talk about when someone comes to meet with me is the process first. What does the process look like, as in... Who files? What happens next? You know, people's big concerns are, you know, that the minute the divorce is filed, their whole life flips upside down. But the reality um, with the practice of law, especially in Florida, is that's not the case. I mean... Filing for your divorce gives us some legal procedure, but it doesn't necessarily change anything that's going on in your home. It doesn't mean anybody's moving. It doesn't mean all of a sudden you're exercising time sharing with your kids. So we talk about that process, and then we talk about what does it look like? What is If you can't make an agreement between yourselves or your counsel can't make an agreement between counsel or you go to mediation and that process fails and you're in front of a judge, what does a judge do? And so a big part of what I do is some people do initial consultations that are 10, 15 minutes long. Um, I do probably a, a I don't want to say more thorough although I do think it's more thorough um, but I do a one to two hour consultation because I want someone who's coming to me if that's the stage of the process they're in contemplating divorce rather than already in a divorce because a a tremendous amount of my practice is from people who are already in divorce or post-divorce and dealing with issues post-divorce um they're coming to me at the very beginning, that's a long time to spend together. But the reason is, I want them to see the full picture. I don't want anybody staying married because they're scared of divorce, but I don't want anyone thinking that um, their divorce is going to be like their best friend's divorce when they don't have similar circumstances.
1: Everyone is different. I mean, every single case is different. Every single case is different. I, You know, I, I also, when you mention you know, we talk about the guilt, we talk about the shame, we talk about the fear. I feel that the fear is the biggest of all. Mm -hmm. I I think it's not always tied to, you know, guilt and shame. I think it's more fear of not knowing. What I see from my clients
2: is that it's not so much guilt and shame, but that there's a tremendous amount of fear. Fear for themselves and a conceived fear for their children. Yes. I tell people, I'm a divorce lawyer. I'm not a child psychologist. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a marriage counselor. But what I can tell you is that kids are resilient. And if you're worried about your kids, you need to talk to someone about that. I'm so glad you said that. You need to talk to someone about that. People ask me, well, if this is what our situation is, what time-sharing schedule do I need? And I'll say, listen, you tell me the time-sharing you want, and that's what I'll walk into court and fight for, but you need to talk to your therapist. You need to talk to your kids' counselors
1: about what it is they need. Parents need to talk to their children. You know, I'm not a child psychologist. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I see adolescents and older. But when people ask me, you know, how do I talk to my children, even if it's not, you know, just about divorce, but it's about anything. Um, I told a client this week, you know, sit down with your children and your husband and go around the table. And this is so basic, but it's also so necessary and not happening. What was the best part of your day? What was the worst part of your day? Include yourself in that conversation. You know, I feel that very often, you know, obviously I always say, if you need to, talk to a child psychologist. But sometimes having this discussion with your children and just talking and the mommy and daddy, you know, love you is really what children you know are looking you know to hear
0: it's not necessarily so when parents are afraid of that conversation it's what are they afraid of and what can you reassure them that having that conversation has no negative I mean when you have an honest conversation with your children and when you say you know Ma- I don't know if you want to get to the divorce, you know, mommy and daddy are thinking about divorce or mommy and daddy aren't happy, you know, and we love you all. How, how do you begin that conversation? Give parents permission to talk about the things that they're afraid of.
1: I think that comes also, that's part of also the individual therapy is, is trying to teach, mirror, and practice in the room what healthy communication looks like. And the parents that get stuck on it are the same people as individuals who get stuck on it in their own personal lives. Um, and it's it's a challenge, and it's part of this, you know, it's definitely part of this process. Yeah.
2: Well, and what we've learned on a whole um, is that, you know, people are terrified of this idea of, Am I going to screw up my children? You like that? I didn't curse so that you didn't have to edit it. Um, Am I going to screw up my children? And I said, uh, and I tell people, I say, listen, a divorce in and of itself is not going to screw up your children. The two of you being assholes could. Yes. And that's the truth. And that's the truth. Because it's bad co-parenting that leaves these children with traumatic experiences. You know, in some cases, it's not just the case of divorce. And look, I'm not a child of divorce. Um, I'm not divorced myself uh, today. Just kidding. Um, But that's, you know, so it's not my reality, but I can say that the studies and all of the literature on co-parenting and the effect of divorce on children is very clear. Happy parents who can co-parent make happy children. And some parents do that better in separate houses.
0: So you're both here to say you can have a constructive, positive, forward-moving, healthy divorce.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I see those I see those all the time. I have friends who have good lives and have happy children because they didn't stay in unhealthy situations. Not every person is made for another person. We have that with our friends. We have toxic relationships, especially as women. We have toxic relationships with some of our own friends. And
1: giving that up is not... A bad thing. It's hard to see it in, in in the moment, but you know there's silver linings, right? And relationships with a couple who couldn't stay married well, right, could have a better relationship and very often
0: do when they are apart and they co-parent. But it also suggests that there's going to be some growth that happens in that and through that divorce process because how many families go through divorce and they keep fighting the battles that they couldn't win while they were married and so you have to go ahead well
2: it's uh, go ahead I hate to jump in, but sometimes, and th- but that's the fear, right? Because that plays into the fear because sometimes it goes the opposite way. I have to sit and tell women that the hardest part of their divorce could very possibly be that all of the things they hated about their spouse's parenting, that they get from divorce what they could have never gotten in their marriage. They get active dads. They get dads who are involved. They get these things that in their marriage were their most hated things about their spouse, but in two houses and in changed circumstances, sometimes through therapy and just sometimes through the evolution of the process, that's really hard. You know, I have women who come to me and say, What do you mean he wants 50 50 time sharing? He never wanted to Who's, see them when we
1: were married. Yeah, he's never,
2: he doesn't even know who their teachers are. And it's hard because some of these women have to now give dad. The opportunity to be who they, as moms, always wanted their spouse to be. Now, of course, it goes the other way too. I but have that's- to say,
1: I've seen just I've seen dads really step it up. I think we need to give a little bit of a, a little bit of credit
0: to the to
1: um, the desire, right? That. Fathers and and men want to be dads. I think that that has shifted in in the past few generations. Um, And the fact that, you know, that they want 50-50, I think, should be, you know, celebrated. I think children need, I know, children need their mothers, they need their
0: fathers, you know, for whatever it looks like. But the parenting may not become consistent after the divorce because well, it wasn't consistent of people, before and it's but if you yes. have someone who prepares you for a new reality and helps mm-hmm. you understand boundaries then then each parent gets to be themselves and and have a unique and special relationship with each child
2: and i tell people all the time you know pay for a good divorce lawyer pay for a good individual therapist, and the one thing that I think the state of Florida, even though it's been privatized now, does a really good job with are we have a lot of co-parenting programs. Um, Not as many up here in Palm Beach County as I practice in Broward and Palm Beach. Not as many as we have in Broward, but there are still, there are really great co-parenting programs and it's like a $100 some of them for 10 sessions and that's a lot when you're dealing with this new frontier of divorced world and it's a really great tool when we talk about what does this look like okay a judge signs a final judgment we've got this parenting plan that neither of us know what it meant our lawyers explained it to us a hundred times right, 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 but right. that doesn't mean we know what do it that, means do I still think about right? Friday this week right. Right. And and I tell people, and this is not the average divorce lawyer answer, right? Because look, it's a business. So I'm not in business to turn away business, but I'll say to someone post-divorce who's having a lot of problems not real issues that need me, but someone that just needs to get these people started in the right direction. That's what co-parenting is for, and that's what a co-parenting coordinator is for, or co-parenting therapy. A lot of marriage counselors are now doing co-parenting therapy oh, post-divorce, too. I didn't even know too. About this. This is And great. it's this great tool without um, being litigious, without getting your sure. lawyers back sure. involved, to you know, adjust to this new frontier of divorce life. Because when you have that fear, am I going to mess up my kids? Yes, if you behave like assholes and all you do is fight and you have this loyalty bind or parenting struggle or alienation issues, then yes, you are going to screw up your kid. Mm. But you don't have to do that. Mm. I mean, you choose the life. I, I mean, I truly feel like you choose the life you have.
0: Are there other attorneys out there who, who provoke the conflict? Oh, of course. Yeah, we there. were just speaking earlier here about some lawyers who do that.
2: And that's, you know, that's the business side of things. Lawyers are in it to... I want to keep it going. They're
0: in it to make money, some of and them. And it plays and, off the fear. Right. It's because somebody says, oh, I need a bulldog right. who's going to alienate my ex so that blah, blah, blah. So, and, and that idea of I need a bulldog,
2: I tell people that this is completely biased based on what I do, but I think the most important thing you do in a divorce is pick a lawyer who matches what you're looking for. There are people who, who, because of their personality, they need someone to fight for them because they know they have to do this, but they're not prepared to fight for themselves. Mm. Um, And there are people who need someone who is not going to take that approach, who's going to keep them out of court, who's going to make the process simple and simple. quick, even if maybe that means they've left some money on the table or something like that. And I think that what you need has to um, connect with the type of lawyer you have. I tell people who interview me, if I'm the first lawyer they interviewed, if you're not instantly sure this is a match, right? Because I have one of those personalities where I think it's either a match or it's not. But if you're not 100% sure, you should interview other lawyers because we all have different styles. You know, you could have 10 lawyers with 10 different opinions. We all have different styles. We all have different ways of practice. And it's really important, just like how you need the support of, you know, a, a mental health professional. And I really believe that that is integral to a divorce but you need a the right
1: attorney is a very expensive there that's <laughs> right that's right um, but that's you need, right. but you need right.
2: that relationship with your attorney too i mean i hear all the time i hated my divorce lawyer you know i am one of those lawyers who just by virtue of my personality or my practice, I end up with a lot of people who were with other lawyers that weren't good matches. Um, Or with people post-dissolution doing modifications who were with different lawyers in their initial divorce who the first thing they want to tell me before how much they hate their spouse, their ex-spouse, is how much they hated their lawyer. Um, And so I really think that that has to be a good fit.
1: You know, I'm just thinking you mentioned, you know, money. Money is like the root of all evil when it comes to divorce. Totally, I mean, is there anything that's just more true? It's, than well, it's totally spring. true. the nuances
0: of all, all that as you've experienced. It. I, you know, I but just, it's so important too. It's so I important. Mean, Look, you right, need financial right. freedom. Because well, we spoke a little bit. In a passing comment, but it's women's relationship to money, and 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 money in couple relationships can get very complicated.
1: Well, that's why you know you talk about co-parenting counseling post-divorce. You know, I'm a big believer in premarital counseling. You know, people need to talk about money. People need to talk about how we are going to you know raise our family and all that stuff.
2: I'm so and with you, but you're preaching to the choir. I tell everyone, even if you think you don't need a prenup, you need a prenup. prenup. (laughs)
1: Right. And, I mean, even the courts are supportive of premarital counseling. They'll give you a discount on your marriage license. They'll take $30 off, you know, a $120 marriage license, whatever (laughs) it is. But um, the, the money, you know, I think also for depending on, you know, your case and your situation, every couple who's going through the process of divorce has different, you know, needs and, you know, Stacey, maybe you can sort of shed light on the different processes of, like, divorce but, like, not everybody, it doesn't have to be litigious. It doesn't have to be, you know, two attorneys on every side. I had a client who, you know, it wasn't about money and they just wanted things very seamless and there was nothing to fight about. It was just that their relationship is not working anymore and they would do better separately and they went through their process of Mediation and there was no fight, and it wasn't expensive and it wasn't ugly, and that was right for that couple, right? So, there's just different couples, different needs, and um, you know, just yes, you know, when it comes to money and the fear of sort of women's you know, starting their life over or if they haven't worked or if they've been dependent on their husband and their husband's company to you know, carry the books and to do all these things that they don't know about. Um, it becomes one of the things that, before divorce, we want to talk about. Yeah.
2: And and you always you always have that. Like, you know, I always say there are multiple ways to skin a cat. You could go to 10 different lawyers and get 10 different opinions. When people come to me they get a whole wide array of options to begin with. I mean, you sort of touch on, we have this whole new area of law in Florida of collaborative divorce. And, you know, the collaborative divorce statute is new and there's this idea, but people don't understand what that means. So people um, think that the collaborative process means They either don't get a lawyer or that they just go to this one mediation. And I'm I'm sure lawyers have opinions about collaboration. Right. And so I I don't practice collaborative law, um, but many of my colleagues do. I think for the right family that's committed to it, it is a fantastic process um, it's a bit front heavy on the expense because by virtue of the collaborative process, you have more professionals you have a team. than you do in a simple, in what I would call a simple divorce. Sure. Um, so collaborative could be more expensive, but the idea of collaborative is this idea of divorce without war because you're actually signing a contract that you, at least until the collaborative process is over or fails, Aren't going to litigate. So, yep. for people who are really committed to that, you know, my husband jokes based on what he went through with his parents' divorce that he thinks everyone getting divorced should just be locked in a room and they shouldn't be allowed out until their case is settled. <laughs> and, well, obviously, as a divorce lawyer, I don't think that's the way to go about it. You know, there's There's sort of some validity to that, and I think that's sort of, that's not how the collaborative process works, so I don't want anyone to say, oh, Stacey said the collaborative process is they lock you in a room, but the idea with the collaborative process is if you have two people committed to a divorce that is a divorce without war that just focuses on getting through the process and getting out of the process, um... It's a really great option, and there are a lot of
0: lawyers who do it. So it is a lot of... And that works if both parts part partners feel like they have equal voice, equal power, equal... Um, I, I, and yes. So what and ha- for so my... I'm, I'm thinking of those old podcasts we've just done on honoring and finding your own voice, whether it's a grown-up or a child. Power struggles. You know, power struggles are so important for me it, with children because it's about feeling powerless and I think that's what happens in divorces is whether it's real or perceived it is it is this that that question of you know not unequal power voice and choice right
2: I have a majority of my clients come to me if they're coming really from the beginning somewhere in the divorce or post divorce and they say I was sent to you. Not to any lawyer. I was sent to you, and it's because I need you, or I saw you argue this you know, inside a courtroom, and after we left, I was dumping my lawyer to hire you, or I need you because they need to feel like even though they're not on equal power footing, that they're, that
0: they're represented. So, yeah. And so let's come back to the support group, which is, which I think might be a little bit about making yourself whole again. If you're part of something that was um, a partnership, a team, I mean, there is that. Yeah, I I became very interested
1: in starting a divorce support group for not only my clients but just women who want to have a network of other women who are sort of in their shoes or any at any point in the process and what I have done recently is with the permission of my clients or other women that I know who are just in my world whether they're friends or just acquaintances is I've just sort of taken I said can I connect you with this person and you know, I have a client who is, has, you know, 50-50 custody, and from Wednesday to Sunday, every other week, she's, you know, alone, she's not with her child, and I gave her a telephone number of another woman I know. They're similar ages. I thought that they would relate, and they went to brunch on Saturday.
2: You're an excellent matchmaker. <laughs> you know, I love I mean, like, it. Like a yeah. little
1: bit of. You I know, love it. I think there's a Hebrew word for it. Like it's like a chiddit, yeah, phytic, but, like, it. yeah. Or, or, or that. But it, you know, just connecting people. I'm I'm very big on connection. And after divorce, it's very easy to feel, you know, isolated. It's very hard to look at. You know, social media, Facebook, people are posting pictures of, you know, their family of five going to Hawaii, and that's not everybody's reality, right? Right. It's not even people's reality within their reality. Right. So um, I just want people to feel that they have somebody else who's in their corner, and and I feel like, uh, you know, a team of an attorney who speaks your language and who, you know, I I feel like that connection is so important. Like, how do you not like your divorce attorney? Right. Um, And just... You know, other women and obviously good therapist, Um, so I and supportive friends. And supportive friends. Married
2: and married and unmarried. And that's one of the things that I try to change even in my friends' group where we've got some divorced already, some dealing with issues within their marriage, and some happily married is we have to change the rhetoric we used about divorced families. You know, forever we called divorced families broken families. No, we had broken Marriages that we actually fixed by divorcing some people. You know, mm-hmm. divorced families are not broken are families. Not broken, um, and so, even using as like allies of divorce the right words, I mean, words do have meaning.
0: I, and I sit at this table, and I know the stories that moms tell me if they're working moms, that they're, they're feeling like they can't even participate in the classroom mom dynamic in the same way. So, I mean, the idea that you're a single person, and how do you participate in couples night? Or are you a threat if it's a mom's night out? You know, like, do you want to even do the same things? I mean, there is this isolation and this compartmentalizing of everybody just go to the group that you're most homogenous with. Yeah, it's it, it, part of right. the tra-
1: it's, I think it's part of the transition. I think it does take, you know, people time to find where they fit again, you know, and it takes... Um, cognizance on our part as to how to include and how to be, you know, whether it's a single mom or divorced or a lesbian couple or whatever it
0: is that we're all... All families look very different these days. And that that's okay. Yeah, it's really okay. And I love it, you know, I mean, the the first place we see it it, in Mommy and Me, though, of course there are divorces even at at that age and stage, is, you know, I love it when the grandparents are coming and we've got eight sets of grandparents and everybody's figured out how to get along and and celebrate one another. I love that. So there there yeah, is this idea. In second marriages too. Absolutely, absolutely. Because you stay connected through the children, you stay connected um, with as families. They're just different. Mm-hmm. They're just a different shape and form.
2: Yeah. Well, and I tell clients, you know, who come in thinking that. Divorce ends that relationship. If you've got kids together, divorce certainly does not end your relationship. It it changes your relationship. It certainly does not end it. And the way that... And that's why I tell people, look, I'm your divorce lawyer. Go see a counselor. Is because the best they can do for themselves is help post-divorce that I can't give them. It's managing that relationship.
1: And I'll tell people... If both both ways take work, so it's not like one is the easy way out. Getting a divorce is not the easy way out. Staying together, both take
0: work. You Good. know. Excellent point. Excellent point. Because it has to do with, um, you know, I think just the basi- basics of being a human being, and that's voice, choice, understanding ourselves, that self reflection. So let's do the wrap up. Um, how have you got this, and what do you want? divorced families, divorcing parents, and friends thereof to know?
1: I, I, I want people to know, you know, I just personally have to share a story. My parents were married for uh, 25 years and were divorced for 15 and are remarried. And it's a crazy story, but I believe in sort of emotionally corrective experiences and that in the moment it's very hard to see that things could be better, but... There's not a one-size-sort-of-fits-all approach to life, and life is not linear. It's a beautiful and, example. Yeah, right. life is not linear, and it's amazing to see what could happen, and is it ugly, and is it sad, and are there feelings of complete and utter sort of desperation and sadness at times? Yes. It's part of the process.
0: And the messiness of life is okay. It's part of, yeah. It, it, we, you could bank on it. Yeah. Right? You could bank on it. It's the only thing you can we be sure of. We can't avoid <laughs> the messiness. We can't avoid the uncomfortable. And whether that's, you know, a, a grandparent looking on at grown children, because the emotions of that are, you know, oh, how do I help fix this? How do I fit into this? You know, again, there's so many pieces to this puzzle, and it's always moving. But our statement has always been how do we celebrate the messiness of life with kids? Uh, Stacey.
2: And I just think everyone needs to really embrace the idea of knowledge because knowledge is power and the only thing that people are really mostly scared of is the unknown, of the what will be. So I suggest anybody who doesn't know what it looks like and they have this idea floating around in their head, they should know what divorce looks like you know this idea that it will be better or worse or whatever their notions are you know I tell people who are already in couples counseling you are going to be more successful either working on your marriage or working towards divorce but you're going to be more successful with more knowledge yes to know to know what Mm -hmm. you're looking at
0: fabulous thank you so much this was so important thank you So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me, seeing little people learn and grow, listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey, loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules, you write your story. We just wanna be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week, take care. Wait, 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 one more thing. (laughs) If you liked our podcast, please tell a friend, or even better, write us a review at iTunes. We'd also like to invite you to join us on Facebook. That's with me, Karen Dearwester, and check out the parenting resources at FamilyTimeInc.com. You'll also find us on Twitter at at FamilyTimeInc and Instagram at Karen underscore time. Thanks for listening today. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this wonderful space. Thanks to Darren Littman for the great intro. And thanks to the front and the follow for the song Listen. We are listening. See you next week.